Welcome back to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. My guest this week is Mordecai Rubenstein. Mordecai and I discussed his early days at Jack Spade, doing PR for Mark Jacobs, and discovering beauty in the everyday uniform. Let's do it. But anyway, this is good. All right. We're going. We're live. Good morning. So I got Mordecai Rubenstein. Rubenstein or Stein? My father says Stein. My mother says Steen. Yeah. So it's kind of however you feel. Yeah. I always said Steen growing up. And then when I entered the non-Hasidic world more, I was like, oh, Stein sounds better. <laughs> it sounds less Jewy. <laughs> so like, oh. And you're Mr. Mort. Right? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, a company, Mr. Mort, in the 50s, I think in the 60s. A uh, guy, Stan Herman, I think was the guy. He's part of the CFDA, but a little bit, or was. I don't know why I'm giving them a free ad. Uh, Stan <clears throat> Herman had a brand called Mr. Mort. Right. Uh, you knew that? No. Oh. I'm saying right. Like, um, I hear you. And uh, yeah, I, when I was making. I, I bought like a gazillion ties from a tie factory that was going out of business in Midtown and needed a label. And my boss at the time, Andy Spade from Jack Spade, Kate Spade said, um, let's, let's come up with a label and put it on the back of the ties. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I saw this beautiful women's vintage ad. It said, meet Mr. Mort. And it was like live at Barney's or something. And it was like a woman on one of those tailored things with the mirrors with, with a guy with like, you know, the tape measure around his neck. Right. And it looked super cool. And it was MR dot Mort. And I loved the MR. I was like, that's my initials. Mordechai Rubenstein. Perfect. And my friends at Kate Spade were like, no, just keep it Mr. Mort. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So kind of changed the MR to M-I-S-T-E-R and just made a label, Mr. Mort. Um, and I, I guess just to put it out there, I never had a nickname growing up. Mort was never nicknamed. To this day, I can't stand when people say Mort. Uh, my wife and friends are like, yo, you can't shut people up. Just let them say it because <laughs> um, you started a brand, whatever. But right, right. when I did it. I was like, I'll tweet a lot. I'll be this guy on the internet, but no one in real life will know who it is. So yeah, so uh, yeah, I am Mr. Mort. Oh, that guy, Stan Herman's around. I, I hit him up a few times saying like, hey, can I have the name? Yeah, give me Even the license. It's licensed, it's bankrupt, yeah. it's been whatever. He's like, do whatever, do what you want. So I thought it was funny. I was like, I just want your blessing. I'm not like oh, that's nice trying to rip it off. Like, I don't right. know if Madewell ripped off Madewell or if Madewell wasn't existing anymore, but like. They just bought the license. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I stole the license, but I wanted to do it with permission. No, that's, that's, that's chill. So one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on, um, not only have I had more requests for you than any other person, period. Like people will tweet at me and people what? email me and be like, yeah, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Um, but I would say that like, in my eyes, you're kind of the barometer of what is good and what is relevant. And when, and the specific stuff that I'm speaking of is menswear and also like the, how one presents oneself. Like, and I think this, this is a huge compliment. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that you will always be the first to call out what's good, what's bad. And that's really cool and refreshing to me because so much of this industry and the menswear, specifically the menswear industry, is really all about kind of like navigating relationships and trying to make sure that you don't step on someone's toes so you can get, you know, like get up in the game later. And But you are like the most authentic person I know in menswear. Thanks, man. And thank you to whomever is making these requests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, because you... I mean, you're not like a new guy or by any means in, in the industry. I mean, you 
from what I am aware of, you started doing PR at uh, Jack Spade. And from then, you know, you went from to Levi's, you went to Mark Jacobs, you went to like, how did a lot of this begin? Because you're even though you're like Mr. New Yorker, you're not originally from New York, are you? Nope, I am not. Where, I mean, to back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, to back up a lot and you can shut me up. I don't know when to start. Stop. No, no, no I was born it. in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. And I'm very proud of that because I feel like that's my, I'm like. I have this like New England. I love rich styles, white styles, all those styles. You know, I'd never been on a sailboat, never been to a yacht club, never been a member of any country club, but I love that New England. Not that they only exist there, right. but I just love that. I love that look uh, and of, you know, the duffel coats and berets and all that like American. I mean, that's what you're wearing right now. Yeah. You're crushing but it. But it's, it's new to me. Right. Thanks. Um, but I grew up uh, in a Hasidic Jewish family. Uh, we always went to Brooklyn because that was the hub, the base of the Lubavitch Hasidic movement, mm-hmm. Crown Heights. And so for every Jewish holiday, we went there. Whenever I was going to camp, coming back from camp, we always stopped in there in Brooklyn. Eventually, my parents moved to Baltimore, Maryland, where I was for elementary school. And then for right. 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, four different yeshivas in four parts of the country. Um, wow. Seattle for 9th grade, 10th grade, I went to a school in L.A., 11th grade, Miami, and 12th grade, New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and then I went to Israel for a couple of years, studied to become a rabbi, had no interest, but eventually came back. Actually, my parents had no idea. I came back. I changed my ticket myself, came back. My sister put me up, didn't even tell my parents. <laughs> and I went to FIT for a little while. and. While I was at FIT, I met – actually, no, it wasn't a person, but I was pounding the, pounding the pavement looking for a job. Right. And Hustling. I walked by a store on Spring Street that had a, shop, a, store, uh, a sign in the window, Help Wanted, and it was kind of dim and inviting at the same time. And I went in. It was up two steps, and it was called New Republic Clothiers. Right. Uh, Mark McNary was a designer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – it was super cool. I had a, a Xenia suit that I bought at Century 21. What year was this? Oh, I don't know. I have to check my resume, but maybe like <laughs> 20 years ago. I don't know. 15, okay. 15, 20 years ago. Um, I had my yarmulke folded as a pocket square. Oh. Because I wasn't like – I'm never comfortable enough to be photographed or walking on the streets or seen without a hat. Okay. I grew up wearing a yarmulke, and I just don't feel comfortable. I always thought, like, ah, oh, someone's going to see me and tell my father, the rabbi, blah, blah, blah. So I always had a yarmulke on me. Anyway, I was working at New Republic, and it was, it was, some, it was amazing. I mean, I heard everything I'm going to say about it was just stuff that I was told. Oh, it's the American Paul Smith, turn of the century through the 70s, hand-tailored in New York. The shoes, all bench-made in London. Ties, pocket squares, cufflinks, Duchamp, all... Yeah, you know the perfect, the, you know all the sh- all English, company. yeah. But the it was it was super dark in there, and it was like a needle and thread drawn around the ceiling. And when customers came in, I would pull the the, the blind down of the window, oh. take out an ashtray, make it nice you know, and private, yeah, straight out of a movie. And the guys would take off their pants and like walk around in their drawers and pick out like five different silk uh, soup blazers. I would measure them, and then we'd go upstairs. It was like an atelier, and my boss would like properly fit them and make them stuff and you know it was joe jackson and beck and all his crew and all these like musicians that i have no idea who they were rock and roll historians and writers would just come in and right from the airport with a little valise leave it in the back they would roll a hash joint that my boss left 
them hash behind the counter. I had no idea, <laughs> you know, and they would light up in the back. I, I didn't even know what pot was at the time. But, you know, we were carrying Macintosh, Smedley. Yeah. You know, nobody else in New York was. Kind of like, it's funny, Paragon was the first store to carry Par- uh, Prada Sport, I believe. Really? Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool, you know? Cool little New York facts. But New Republic had a line out the door to get in sometimes. Uh, he was a vintage dealer, I think, in the 60s and 70s, and one of the first people amongst, like, Cheap Joes, Andy's Cheapies, like the vintage dealer brothers that don't talk to each other. And I shouldn't say that. Um, the vintage mafia in New York. They were all, like, going to Detroit to Carhartt, you know, getting workwear and, right. like, going to New York, then going to Japan. It was – I heard a cool story, actually, from my boss. He'd show up to Japan or some other part of the world and talk to one of his buddies and look at the ass, and they both had cut the red tab off their Levi's. Oh. And they were, and they were just on the same shit without tweeting and Instagramming and emailing, like – you know, they were the, just the, on the you know, same way. Show wavelength. up and be like, "Oh, dude, you're doing that too." That, that was kind of cool. But so, wait, who was the person who ran New Republic? Oh, good question. Thomas Oatman. Okay, and he was, and again, this is like stuff that I heard about him. He was a dandy. He was an American dandy. He was a kid from Detroit, like Jay Cost, that wore patchouli. No, funny that you say that. Okay, because <laughs> this this Kozlowitz cat, like, I don't think he could be a Jewish dandy. Okay. I, mean, I just don't see it. Like they're like Jews are so like garmento salesy, you know, like <laughs> like like schmucky, and me, myself included. I'm right. like, you know, I like to play around and, okay. and I want to wear makeup and stuff, but to take myself that seriously, like a dandy's a full time job, you know. Tom and he would he would dress like a full on dandy, and he, and so and, wait, and, when you say dandy for people who don't know what that is, what would you? Say I would say dandy? Google because there's a couple of good <laughs> definitions. I know you're not asking me you to Google, but you're asking me to say it. So like a, a true dandy doesn't exist today, but these guys, I think it was a movement, just like there was like the Buffalo Tom Boys. Wolf, is that a dandy? I think so, but okay. but but they. I don't think they were writers and had things to do. They might have been rich, but they just got decked out full time. <laughs> That's all they did. <laughs> They were like, every day was the ball, you know, right, right. I, I believe, you know, and I think one of the last dandies in New York died recently. This is what I was told. But girls would come in to see him, Cynthia, the chef at Olives, and, he, you know, he would make them all. This woman, Linda, from the hat shop on Thompson Street, she speaks so highly of him, too. You know, he, these girls would come in. He'd make them suits, just straight up men's suits tailored for them. Really? Real borrowed from the boys. I mean, right. it was so cool. And, and uh, he, you know, he had a partner, Alan Firestone that went on to uh, open up Costume National and a bunch of stores. He had a company called Flagship that he opened flagship stores for companies. And he, Tom was like, New Republic is open. Uh, Banana Republic's opened the whole block on Broadway. I'm closing up. And he moved upstate and he makes cheese. <laughs> and he like, he, he's like, he spends time in Arizona. He told me he opened up a store called Magazine. Oh my God, I wonder if that's where fucking that guy took the name from. <gasps> He opened up a store, Uh-oh. I think, magazine with a Z, I think. Oh, I think. so. No, no, no shots fired nowhere. I believe he opened up a shop in Arizona or Toronto. Right. Maybe Toronto called Magazine, but it closed. And it was like him. You'd see this guy, Tom Oatman, at Brimfield selling, you know, fancy furniture from turn of the century, whatever. Macabre, I don't know the words, you know. Eames, whatever, but also like vintage clothes. And he was that guy. So when you were opening up a store, he'd be like, I got the most amazing fixtures for you. They're from a train from the fifties in Chicago. Yeah. And that in the new Republic store, the, 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 the dressing room doors were, were train compartment doors. Oh, dang. And the walls were all Esquire wallpapered up. Right. You know, like vintage. Yeah. It was so, it was such a cool store. So I mean, how long were you there? 
f- like four years. F- this guy, they hire this guy. Fuck you, man. Something Robinson. And he came from, he came from Upper East Side. One of those like, uh, not Claude Montana. Romeo Gili. He came from Romeo Gili. Okay. And I'm we, not familiar with that we, brand. Or yeah. G I G L I. Okay. Romeo Gili. And one day I come to work and there's like a little thing of next to the, um, next to the sink in the bathroom. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't belong there. I'm a shop master. I'm going to clean this place up. Right. Yeah. Get on. You, you know, he goes up and tells the boss that I, that I'm doing something not, you know, not nice in there. Okay. And, uh, my boss calls me up. He's like, Hey, I, you know, I gotta let you go. And I'm like, you're kidding. Let me tell you something. What's going on in that store? Right. Well, the next day he called me up and said, I want you back. (laughs) So I came back for a little while and then they closed. They fired that guy right away and then they closed. But he was, you know, he was like a party boy back in the day, I guess, New York City nightlife. Um, And, you know, kept on that habit. Um, So when does Jack Spade come in? Wait, with one more cool thing in the Republic. Oh, sorry. I, I... they, you know, they did the, I don't even know what a zoot suit and all these stuff are, but like they, you know, people, they had the most, it was all for rockers. I mean, that clothes right. really belonged on stage. Anyone could wear a smedley knit, but like button covered sharkskin suit. Come on. You got to be a rock and roller. So I would, every morning my boss would be like, here, try this on. And it was like velvet jackets and stuff that customers never picked up. Like they oh, paid for it, right. waiting for it to be tailored and just never picked it up. These guys would, were so much money. They, they just, for, yeah, so many suits. And the <laughs> customers were Lloyd Ziff, uh, Andre Balaz. Like I remember when cell phones first came out and like Balaz, he wouldn't get off. I was like fitting him for trousers and he wouldn't get off his phone. And my boss was telling me to slap him like an old school tailor would kind of give a little yeah, yeah, yeah. on the writ on the hand. Like you yeah. can't, if you move your arms while I'm fucking trying to fit you, yeah. you're going to change the inseam and then you're going to come back and yell at me that I did a bad job. Yeah. Anyway. So it was so much fun getting dressed in a different clown outfit every single day. And I would waltz around Soho and be this guy. Um, and so, I mean, you were kind of a dandy then at that time, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but I was like, I was also going to parties through the night at Twilo um, and, and, and dancing all night. And then I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and, and from Brooklyn, I'd go to my, I wouldn't, I never made it back to Brooklyn. That's a lie. I'd wake up, I'd wake up and, and go, and go to my friend's apartment, like straight from the club shower. And I would sit in front of Baltazar. They had a bench outside. Yeah. And I wished every single passerby a good morning, every single person. It was the highlight of my freaking Sunday. <laughs> um, and then took the music up really loud and would sweep outside and the Japanese kids would call me a shop master. And that's where I learned that term. And I was like, dude, that's it. I'm not a fucking retail kid. I'm a shop master. So, um, and it was great. Every night at closing time, uh, Tom would come down, roll a hash joint. Uh, I'd hold the ashtray for him. I wouldn't partake of course. And, and, um, and we would redo the store. He would move things around every night, every night, every single night. And he said in Paris, he modeled the store after a, a shop in Paris and there were two lights over two mannequins, one in each window, and they were like on little stages in the window. The shop is now Sabone Soap Shop, you know, the Israelis that harass you for yep. free soap. <laughs> and on the corner was Cafe Barry. Upstairs where the office was was Beach Bum Tanning, Paper Magazine. That's it. So it was really cool. Like David Hershkowitz, Kim Hastreiter, Mickey Boardman, like right. the real New York institution. They were always like in the hallway smoking cigarettes. It was really cool to be up there in that time in New York. Um, and, and so we would come down to the mannequins and then go up in the, and, and like, you know, hang out in the office for a little bit. And he made me, he taught me a lot of New York and my clients, my customers were like, 
you know, designing sets for the ballet and would take me to the ballet and took me to the Y and theater and stuff that I had wow. never done, you know, right. growing up. It was really cool. It was a new education to see that kind of thing. And at that store, I was fortunate to meet like Tommy Hilfiger, Andy Hilfiger. A funny story there real quick. Um, I'll never forget the new Smedleys would come in and he came the second they arrived and put them out. And he said, I want one of each size doesn't matter. And I'd wrap them all nice and pretty because I thought, you know, we were in Japan and I had learned from them yeah, and, yeah. and all about presentation. He'd say, don't even, don't even put any paper. They're going straight to the factory. <laughs> and he left and I called my boss upstairs and I was crying. I'm like, what is going on? And he starts laughing at Tommy did that or Andy, you know, and he's like, yeah, that's what they do. They, you know, they send it out. And I was like, all right, cool. I, I had no idea. You yeah. Know? But Kate and Andy Spade came in a lot and they did the early on pick your brain, but they were actually be, you know we're friends now but they weren't picking my brain they were just liking me for who i am and it was really cool right and yeah. they, they were like we're gonna open up a men's shop and we want you to run it you know and years later they did in between i went to lucky brand i sold denim for a second you know i went to i sold women's shoes on fifth avenue for a second but i went to uh i, I went to the spades they had men's wear they had men's you know they're andy's a advertising genius took the, right. his last name, her first name, and they weren't even married and started the company yeah. with three friends from college. And Jack Spade was just like a little idea. Like the bags were in, in and around their house by the bathroom. He told me in the morning he'd wake up and like trip over the bags, you know, like it was such a pet project, right? But they were sold in the basement of the Kate Spade store and, uh, the, the men's bags, the men's bags yeah. took a couple of, uh, the, you know, like drill nylon some of the fabrics and just carried it over and made men's bags and then opened up jack spade those were the coolest bags for it, a long it's time. funny because girls would come in or guys but you know yeah. a girl would come in she'd be like hey uh i need a messenger bag for my husband or my boyfriend what's that and i'm like oh manhattan portage it's a couple blocks down <laughs> You know, and they look at me like, huh? They wouldn't laugh. They didn't get it, you know? <laughs> so like a messenger bag is the last thing I want to sell. Yeah. So let me show you a wool tweed satchel. Let me show you a tote, you know? Yeah. But the guys all wanted – it's like someone got some press on the word messenger bag and that was it. Jack Spade took off Yeah, on that it. shoulder you bag. Yeah, yeah, that shoulder bag, yeah. And God <laughs> forbid you actually wore it crossbody. You don't want to mess up your tie or anything. But that messenger bag, you know, it, it was Warren Street because that was like their apartment in Tribeca. So they called it Warren Street. Eventually right. when they did a second line, they called it Green street which got funny and um yeah but they kind of like marketed that messenger bag and then the tote called it a, a coal bag i think yeah you know and then you know it, the, the curiosities there was a cabinet of like a hundred drawers i could have put bags of weed in there nobody cared i mean <laughs> liz claiborne didn't own it at the time it was just kate and andy and, and elise and and pamela right. and, and and they were so cool and, um, you know, the girls would come in every couple hours and check up on me, make sure I was actually there and make sure the store was open. Cause you know, they had like 10 Kate Spade stores, but one Jack. Right. So, you know, same way eventually opened up its own freestanding store on green street. And it was so cool. I had like friends in bands that would come in and at closing time and set up and jam oh, through, awesome. through the night. Andy would come by neighbors would come by and chill it was a real, you know, and Andy told me, this is exactly what I wanted. He's like, let's get beer in the fridge. Customer would come in. The first thing I would do is offer a drink. This yeah. is old school retail. I'm not yeah. here to sell you. We're neighbors. Let's hang out, you yeah. know? They, if I'm talking too much, shut me up. No, they, no. This when is, we this started, is Jeremy's like, some people, you know, you ask them A, and then like, you don't get A, but you get B, C, D. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so uh, there was, a, we put a cork board up, and this right. was, this was, this was not to take away. This is not just. This was not even me. This was Andy, Matt Singer, and Chad Burry. 
you know, Matt Singer and Andy came from the ad background, ad, advertising background. I think that's why they're so smart. And that's not why, but like, that's where they got such amazing ideas that weren't like there to not sell conventional you conventional retail. Yeah. yeah. So they put a board up one day and, and I'm like, all right, cool. What's this, you know, cork board. And they're like, well, if somebody wants to sell their car, they put up a picture and we'll sell the car for them. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's genius. You know, so cool. Free space. Yeah. Sure. This guy comes in, Jason Poland, and he looks around like, oh, fucking weird, you know, artist type. And he puts up a couple of post-it notes or little colorful drawings. Right. He gives like me and another other guy that worked there a lollipop and says, thank you and leaves. I'm like, what's up, man? We just had a private art show. And this guy comes once a week. He's starting oh, to come dang. all the time. And I'm, you know, we become friends. We take walks around the neighborhood. I love his art. He's drawing giraffes. He makes a CD of how to draw a giraffe for kids. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, and eventually when the store was under construction, we hired him to like, you know, I don't want to say do graffiti because he's not a graffiti artist and you don't hire somebody for graffiti, even though people do today. Uh, anyway, we had him like do his art around the, uh, you know, around the store. It was really cool. I mean, one other, we did uh, two other things that were super cool. Um, I'll never forget. I called the fashion calendar. Um, I forgot the woman's name, but she still runs it. If you're in the world of fashion, you know that there's a, a fashion calendar, right. even though now there's like 15 of them, but you, <laughs> you have to like get authenticated, whatever the word is. And your presentation or show is in the column at a certain time. Yeah. So I called up because it's like, I'm not emailing. And I said, Hey, uh, we're Jack Spade, Kate Spade. Oh, sure. We're going to do a show. Oh, when? And I said, Oh, 11 o'clock, Brian Park. She's like, oh, that time slot's taken. I said, all right, 1130, no problem. Andy, myself, forgot who, maybe Chad and Matt. And what year we is went this? To, oh, I don't know. It was <laughs> one of the last years. Well, I'll tell you, actually. It was one of the last years of the Bryant Park shows. Right. The so actual tents. Oh, six or seven then? Um, we, Kanye was a thing. We brought, I'll yeah, tell you why, be because then. we brought... Um, we brought, this was so funny. Well, those two things we brought a rack. I got one of those earphones, like a publicist would wear. Oh with my God. I remember this and walked around the park. You did it on just in the people, park. Yeah. yeah. No tent in the park, men, businessmen eating lunch, went up to guys eating their sandwich and said, Hey, we're doing a show. Would you hold this bag and walk the runway? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. We had Glenn O'Brien, some yeah. other people mixed in to keep it really cool, but it was amazing, like real street casting of guys eating lunch, and that right. was the show. Did it and left. You know, people saw it, people heard about it. I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever worked on. That's, I mean, so something to kind of like pause on that second. I am not sure if there's really many people in retail that were doing things that were that. Definitely not. That were gorilla. That, yeah, that were that is innovative or gorilla or any of that, and not in New York. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not that's the thing. America. At least not in New York because that is a genius idea that costs nothing. nothing. And if you're in the fashion industry to do a runway show, it's it, like, you know, 150 K <laughs> yeah. easy, easy. And uh, you're not even getting on the calendar. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just have to have a good publicist. Yeah. And you get Gillette and, and, and people to sponsor shoes and beers and <laughs> shavers and <laughs> who knows right. what. Yeah. I mean, this was no sponsorship. This was, it cost us a Metro card and a quarter for the phone booth. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it was so much fun. It, the next season, we did two other things, actually. We set up a tent outside the tent and had the Canal Street plastic bags, which oh, I, I like how those. European people call them like – what do they call those bags? They're like Ikea bags is what people think but of them. But they were the plaid. Yeah, the, with the plaid, with the zip And I zip think top. they call them market bags or something in London because right. like, oh, people use them for the market. Um, well, we bought the I, – I went to Canal Street 
and bought bought the shopping bags, sent them to China, probably where they came from, <laughs> and to the Jack Spade, Kate Spade factory and had bags made out of our shapes with the Canal Street fabric. I remember that. And then we did a label called Jack Spade Canal Street and sewed it on a drop crooked to look like a fake. <laughs> that was probably uh, Matt Singer. I actually sent fabric to um, New Era. Yeah. And we did a fitted out of that too. I have it. Made in Buffalo, New York. Not China, but like, you know, New Era still makes – to this day, some hats in Buffalo. Uh, but it's cool. Like if I want a hat from New Era, I want, bu I want wool. And no one wants a plastic hat. And it's funny that that's where they're made. It would actually be funnier if they made in China. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. Made in USA with Chinese factory. Anyway, so we set up this tent outside the shows. And we did monogramming like Goyard. And oh. our, 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 our shtick was, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to wait three weeks, three months for this bag. We're going to monogram it right now in front of your face. <laughs> and I was like, Andy, how are we doing this? He's like, you're going to get a stencil and you're going to do the monograms. I'm like, no, no, Chad's got better handwriting. Matt's got better hand. You know, they got steadier hands than I do. And uh, we all did it. We got there and I'll, I'll never forget. I made one for Kanye West. <laughs> So funny. I think I messed up on purpose. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we took – and, like, then they, like, held it up. And, like, we got – I got to find these pictures somewhere. They held it up for a photo because it's like you can't just give away a bag. Got to get a picture. Yeah. It didn't happen. And, you know, uh, we took it to Colette when Colette first opened. I made one for Carl Lagerfeld. It was yeah. funny. He held it up. Um, uh, and one last thing about them that was funny – some news came out in WWD that like models aren't eating and I'm sure it wasn't new news, but it was news. And we made cookies in the shapes of hot dogs and hamburgers and put them in a plastic thing, you know, a little wrapper right. with a little note saying like, Hey, we care for the models. We just want them to have a little nourishment. We know you're running around between shows. It's hard. It's tough out there. Right. Here's, here's a cookie. Yeah. And stupid me outside the shows in my Warwick Arctic Parka freezing. I'll never forget. I think I gave one to Ivanka Trump because I have a picture of this blonde woman on my computer right now and I'm convinced it's her, but it, it could just be another rich woman that someone told me it was her. <laughs> I, I pulled it recently because I was like, Oh, they're famous. Now I can maybe Maybe, yeah. I should, maybe I should put it on my Instagram. I'll get a couple of likes. Um, <laughs> but but it was so funny. We you know giving models these cookies, and they're like, "Why are you giving me a cookie? I'll take it because I'll take anything because you're forcing me." But why am I taking a cookie? And if you read it, it's kind of, not rude, but it's kind of like, "Are you saying I'm not eating?" We yeah. eat, but you just want that one photo of like the girl holding the cookie as a hot dog, and that's it. As yeah. a brand, you just killed it. Yeah. So yeah, we did a lot of funny things at Jack Spade, man, and then. Uh, Liz Claiborne bought it. It became super corporate. But at the same time, Men's Vogue came to me and said, come be an editor. And I was like, huh? I don't really write. And they're like, you talk. Talk about menswear. You talk about what men should and shouldn't wear. Yeah. Stephen Watson, man. I owe, I owe him. Did the, did the Mr. Mort brand kind of exist at that time in which like the it, do's and don'ts? It kind of did because okay. Kate Spade, Jack Spade gave me my first digital camera. And that's where I was running around taking pictures. And at the same time um made the ties so there was that you know actually right. the one last thing i'll say father's day with the reason i bought these ties we set up a desk beautiful antique desk and a water cooler with vertical blinds with a chair mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, a, and, and a phone. And the idea was that I sit at this desk on Green Street, on the street, on the sidewalk, right outside, no permit, try that at home, and, <laughs> and put my feet up on the desk and I offered sartorial advice for Father's Day. I had vintage cufflinks, vintage ties, vintage tie bars, pocket squares that I made. 
And this was you. This was me. This an amazing video on YouTube. We didn't have the permission for the music, so it didn't really go anywhere. But if you Google like Mr. Mord or Mordechai or whatever on YouTube, this is one of my funniest things I've ever done. I'm riding a bike. It is jazz, whatever. Anyway, I, I, I had a mannequin with like a vintage Madras plaid jacket. It all sold out the first day. And I did this like a week before Father's Day. Right. So for the next six days, I had off. You know, there was nothing to do. But it was so <laughs> cool, again, for like Andy to, to come up with that idea for me to set these, you sell this stuff outside on the street. Yeah. Outside, in front of this expensive store on Green Street in Soho, you know. But the neighbors, back then, you know, people walking their dogs in Soho. It wasn't a mall yeah. as it is now. So it was like, you know, neighbors would come by and be like, dude, I want that jacket so bad. You know, I'd be like, too bad. You're rich, <laughs> you know. And, and, and they bought everything right away. It was so funny. But anyway, so I started the blog then, and I started the label then. I didn't really make anything, just the ties. But Vogue comes to you. Yeah, Vogue's like, hey. You men's know, Vogue. Men's Vogue, right. And I, and I went to Condé Nast, and I'm looking around. I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah, you're going from you know, like, like yeah, crazy to corporate. Yeah, Hasidic Jewish corporate. To, to corporate to like that. And I was like, this is the, 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 the waiting room, the lobby at Condé Nast was the highlight of my life. That 20 <laughs> minutes waiting, I was like, I've never seen so many beautiful people. And, you know, I was like, what am I doing here? This makes no sense. But they, they hired me as a web, as a market editor. And the market editor is the one that brings in, you know, the young brands at the time. Yeah. But the magazine secretly won't do anything with them because they want the Xenias, the Ralph Lauren's. They want well, the, the ads. The ads. Yeah. So I was caught yeah. in a hard place because I wanted to pimp these brands up. I was taking desk side appointments with Carhartt and Harley Davidson to see their clothing. <laughs> and, you know, I'd go see engineer garments and cool stuff too. I, I was the first one to put needles on the web. Really? I'll take that straight the fuck up. Yep. Um, Dude. You know, I told Gloverall and, and all these people, like, and they were nice. And to this day, they're nice to me. Not because of that, but they're just nice people, and I like nice people. Yeah. But they would have me up, and that's the thing. I would go to the showrooms and the trade shows, and I'd be the first one to put it on the web. And then all the bloggers and all the idiots would be, and I'd be like, eh, I don't need to do any of this anymore. I'll just shoot old men. I'll shoot characters. Right. But anyway, that's how the blog started. Da, da, da. Yeah, uh, Ben's Vogue. And then it was really nice, but I think a year or two in, the magazine folded. Yeah. So my bubble bursted. Um, but Dockers came to me at that time. My friend Brett Anderson, who was at, Le he was at Selvage. Remember that store, Selvage? Oh, yeah. It was secretly like owned by Levi's, cooler than Levi's, best denim store in the world ever. Right, right. Unlike Mulberry Model, Elizabeth, I forget. That's all one block to me. Um, and he was like, dude, you talk so much about khakis now, I noticed. Let's, let's have you interview for Dockers. And I went to Dockers. They loved me. Worked on Super Bowl commercials and all that. And then one day, someone, you moved to SF. Well, that's the thing. Their offices were on Broadway and 40th, Garment Industry, Jay Z, everyone's in that building. Rock Aware. Um, and I'm in that building and I'm looking at this, at this guy with a, du a duffel bag full of denim in the office one day. And I'm like, what are you doing with all that? And he's like, well, you know, this is Levi's and Dockers. I was like, yeah, but there's never anyone from Levi's in this building. Let's, let's be frank. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, you could hear a pin drop in this building. It's all like, I don't want to say old people, but like, it, sure. it's a sales and it's like, yeah. there's nothing cool. Um, no so, design was out of there. No. So this right. guy was like. Would you ever move? He's like, you seem to know a little bit about this denim that's in my bag, which I didn't care for, but I just knew what it was. It was LVC. Yeah. He's like, do you, you know, would you ever work for Levi's? And I was like, yeah, dude, come on. Don't, don't, don't tease me. Was that Maurizio? No. Oh. His name is Eric Jewell. Gotcha. And I'll pimp him out for a few reasons because one, he gave me that shot, J-O-U-L-E. And two, because he's a freak like me. You know, he, he was coming from the Quicksilver world. Uh, anyway, so he was cleaning up at Levi's. They were going for one of their reorgs. Yeah. And, and they brought me out, uh, during some of my, uh, while I was having Dockers meetings in San Francisco, they'd sneak me into a Levi's meeting. Next thing I know, Levi's is like, would you move out here? 
Yeah. I said, yes. My girlfriend's like, oh, you're kidding, right? And I said, hell no, I'm out. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I said, yeah, this is a big chance for me. Like, I got to go to San Francisco. And she was like, what? sure, sure. And I'm like, all right, you'll, you'll, one day you'll, you'll realize. So, um, we're married now. So, so, uh, <laughs> so, so I, 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 when I said, yes, I'd move there, I really was lying to myself. There's no way I was ready to leave New York, but I was talking to like Aaron Banderoff, Aaron the Don. Yeah. And he was like, he had just spent some time in LA, you know, and he was like, that's a cool place. And he was like, you know what, man? It'll be good for you, and yeah. New York will always be here. And I want to say that to anyone that's ever thinking of leaving, A, I'm not from here, but it's the coolest city in the world, New York. Come on, let's face it. But you know what? SF wasn't that bad. It was supposed to be six months, and then they moved me back here and opened an open office. Well, corporate housing, <laughs> all the fancy the world. I stayed like two years, and, and <laughs> it, was a, it was challenging, the long-distance thing. And you know, thankfully, it worked, but my lady was like, look, get back. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and I was just like, too much coffee and pot out there. Yeah. You know, and it's boring otherwise. I mean, I, I was getting super into cycling and stuff, but come on, you know, I'm not the athlete. I remember that. Uh, and so eventually I came back to New York um, and uh, I was at one of the fashion weeks, I think in Milan, at Robert Duffy, Mark Jacobs' business partner. Um, awesome dude. I want to thank him too for giving me a shot. Uh, people don't even know, like he is Mark Jacobs. So he's the one that gave Mark Jacobs the chance at Perry Ellis, took him right out of, out of SVA or whatever school, right. you know? And he was like, I want you to talk about menswear at Mark Jacobs. I'm like, huh? That's a women's company, bro. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, yeah, we got men's, we got men's. And I was like, no, it, it wasn't that men's was suffering or maybe it wasn't. I didn't know. It was like, he liked my energy and he wanted me to bring it with. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Let, let's do it. So I did men's PR at Mark Jacobs. And then after a couple of years, they just shut down men's. I should have left after a week, even though it was so much fun. Um, and that was when you were on Crosby, right? Yeah, yeah. Crosby yeah. and Spring, which is, um, you know, menswear. It's funny. People ask me, like, when, do you, like, when did you start getting into menswear or stop? You know, when I went to San Francisco, I gave up the fedoras and the bow ties and the ties and the waistcoats and the freaking suspenders because I was two things. One, I don't want to mention that blog, but that whole, like, heritage and menswear thing was so stupid. But here I am in San Francisco. I want to embrace hate Ashbury. I hate. It's funny. I'm not hating. I wanted to embrace the hippie, which I yeah. never had in me. Um, so I let the hair grow and I started wearing tie dye. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, he's wearing Patagonia. And Patagonia became popular. I'm not saying I did it <laughs> a little bit, but, but, <laughs> but people were like, oh, Normcore, Esquire credit me with Normcore. And I was like, dude, you're just like, I just like white people, regular people, you know, uh, doing, you know, doing their thing. You know, like I just like, like not fashion, like the men that I'm into are wearing the same thing for 20, 30 years. Banker well, stripe, seersucker. Yeah. I mean, to elaborate on what you were saying, I think the thing that you liked the most. Thank was, God you cut me off. Was more, was more authenticity. Right. And so what you really cared about, it wasn't just Patagonia. It wasn't just, you know, old school Precisely. business guy. They it wore was these people, things for a reason. Too. Yeah. It was, it was people who started wearing clothes because of the functionality exactly. and that. It was it, so, like in New York, more or less, especially in the fashion world, you wear clothes because of what you're telling everyone else. Like, I'm cool, I'm accepted, I have this, you know, this Prada thing or this Chanel thing or whatever. So this means I'm I'm this. But for me, you know, and this is one of the things I love the most about you is you were like, yeah, that's bogus. That that's like you you don't that's just a trend and you don't really believe this and what you were following around and you know, especially for Mr. Moore and your blog and all that stuff, were people who wore clothes because of the purpose of it, like and the authenticity again. Precisely. So like 
you know, yeah, of course, like these guys were in Patagonia because it was one of the biggest sportswear brands in the 70s, and that's what they still yeah. had. And it, San Francisco really taught me how to wear it. Yeah. You always need a sweater or light jacket that's in San true. Francisco. That's true. And a down sweater, not, you know, no free ads. Yeah. You put that thing on, you're in a corporate, you're in the office, you roll your sleeves up, it's like you're wearing a sweater. You're yeah. not schwitzing. You get outside in your lunch break, you pull the sleeves down. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. I hate how perfect it is. I got a purple one that Justin Bieber's still trying to get. <laughs> I remember when I got it, Patagonia was like, oh, you got the purple. You're so lucky. Justin Bieber's making us crazy for it. <laughs> Drake and him, their favorite color. Drake's purple too? That's what I heard. I don't, you know, look, man, they, they probably switch their colors like their hairstyles, you right. know, like the fades um, or whatever, the half moon. But um, so, so you come back SF, and you're at Mark Jacobs. Wear, and then, right, so I come back. I'm like, I got to start getting dressed again. It's New York. I've been, I've been hipping it out in San Francisco, not caring what yeah. I look like. Getting rid and of the Mark, Chacos. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark Jacobs. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I start getting dressed. And it was an amazing opportunity because here it is. It's like it's, it's – I think and people said it, and they're so right. It's the s- smallest, biggest brand. Yes. Or the biggest, smallest brand, whichever. However it's the biggest, it. smallest brand. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. and, and, and I would run around the office with my phone and out at all times. And like, Mark took a liking to me, thankfully. I wasn't in his Was he still smoking a team. ton in the office? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, man. So crazy. Like, because this is see. his David Barton days, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I think he's, yeah, he's still smoking. Yeah. He still smokes a lot and he's still is power lifting and yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I miss the long hair, clear glasses, Mark Jacobs. Same, same. But you know, <laughs> we all, I don't know. We don't all change. Um, but yeah, I mean, God bless that man too. But I never worked really close with him, but he let me be close, which is cool. You know, I got shots of him getting his hair done backstage by Francois Nars and people were at the company were like, Oh, nobody shoots Francois. Nobody shoots Mark. I'm like, well, I just did eat it, you know, <laughs> but the social media kids there, I got to thank them too, because they took a liking to me and realized like, Hey, this guy's getting shots that we can't get or that we're not getting. Let's embrace it. Right. And you know, so if they went to a meeting at Twitter or Snapchat, they brought me with them, even though I got no insight and it, you know, it, it, maybe it got me verified. Maybe it got, it didn't, but I'm saying like it, it did good for my ego and it, and at least they know who I am now, whatever. Sure. But, you know, and it's funny. I don't know what I do now. And, like, social media is, like, it's a part of it, but it's not the main thing or whatever. But I don't know where we're going anyway. So MJ, yeah, but a couple of years later, they stopped making clothes. And uh, I'm back on the street on my beat. And, um, yeah, here I am with Jeremy Kirkland. <laughs> well, so is this show called Start with Typewriters? No, that's my old blog. You remember okay. that. That's what, is there a name for this? <laughs> it's called Blamo. Oh, you put that in the subject. Okay. Where does that come from? <laughs> uh, nothing. Good. The thing is... Blamo on the rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Okay. And uh, it's easy to search and it makes sense and it wasn't attached to really anything else. Except, Smart. I'm going to be honest with you, it's attached to a toy company, which I think is really funny. So I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> One day you'll get more hits than them on the internet and it won't be a toy company. It's anymore. happening. It's I'm I'm like watching my little SEO thing and I'm That's like, cool. okay, if you search this. And this podcast exists Oh, that's a stupid question. You can online. ask whatever you want. No, like I do the show in No Wave. I mean I'm not pimping that out, but people are like, Oh, where can I listen to them? I'm like, oh no wave.com. Yeah. But I think there's a difference between a podcast and radio. And radio. And then archived radio. And and whatever my radio is, because my radio is not You have radio. a show on you No Wave Radio. Yeah, but you can't go on the radio and turn it on. You have to go online to listen to it. Yeah. This is an actual podcast. I think the difference is it can go anywhere. I don't know. No, it's all right. So, like, 
podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on all the like podcast apps. It's on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And wow, so if you but you can't like, listen to it live. That's so cool. So if you're into menswear, you certain you Google like you know uh, menswear podcast. Hopefully yours comes up in the top three, whatever. I hope. And there it is. That's yeah. cool. Huh. Yeah. It's more of like the fact that the biggest thing is so, you know, I haven't been in the game as long as you, but I've known and been around for a long time. Like, I remember I went and had uh, lunch with you when you were at Dockers. You took me out and I remember you were like, hey, man, check it out. I got this corporate card. I got your Starbucks. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And this is when, you know, you had like a desk area and stuff at Dockers because there was a, there was a, they were like relaunching the flat front pant or something mm-hmm. at that time. But, you know, I was like, oh man. And truth a- be told, it was my job to take guys like this out probably. No, it was. He's a men's wear blogger. It was. I got to kiss his ass. <laughs> but I'm a genuine dude and I probably liked him. So that's why I did it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was fun. Can't fire me now. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was I chill. was responsible with corporate cars. I was never irresponsible. Oh, anyway, I don't yeah. think anyone would, would, would think that. But um, it, was, it was like a cool part of my life in which I started to make all these contacts within menswear. And then I was seeing other friends like kind of blow up and other friends kind of fizzle out and other friends, you know, and I was like, oh, there should be some type of ongoing dialogue explaining more about either one, what's happening with these people, or two, like how much this industry is changing. So, I mean, you know, like talking to Levine and other people like that, you know, because he, you know, posts funny to me is the last name thing in menswear. I never broke down like that. And it's funny. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. Like people hopefully don't call me Rubenstein, but it'd be funny if they did. But anyway, yeah, I go think on. people call you Mordecai. It depends on the name. Right. Like, so I have a friend. I know who, it's a guy type of thing. It's not a thing to do with menswear. Yeah, but it it's kind a of guy thing. That also. But it's also it's like kind Wooster. of weird. People don't say Nicholas is a Wooster. I mean, I don't. Oh, good. I hardly know you're the guy. First. Okay, good, good, good. So, so oh, so you're like me. If you, if know, you know, know the person, right, yeah, I like that. So if I know them, I would do that. But like, who is the other person? Well, I won't even say his name. But like, I've. Oh, oh, I have a good friend that which I basically only call him by his first and his last name. And his name is Brian Davis. He runs a wooden sleeper store in Red Hook. And I don't know how to, he, I could never say Brian and I would never say Davis. He's always Brian Davis. It's just weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like, yeah, the point of the pod to keep going was, was, the, I don't know, for some reason people wanted to hear this dialogue. And uh, more or less, I had a couple other friends that were like, oh yeah, you should do that. You talk a lot. Did you ever <laughs> do it in the back of that store on Crosby? Or no. Imagine that. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think you're talking about Carson Street. But yeah, I wasn't. So Trunzo has been on Brian Trunzo. Right. I did the last name again. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's again that like don't 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 kill me, Brian, because I fucking love you. He's that like Staten Island, like you know. He's like you could say Trunzo. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, but in that Trunzo. Whole... I mean, was talking because he did. Uh, he was a GTL guy, did Jim Tan Laundry. Yes. And uh, Bravo you know, TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, him. he was on his own TV show. But, but he was on this show. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think like the other and big. I'm sure re- I know other people. Yeah. Really? yeah. What were you going to say? The other big reason that like wanted you on here and like to see is now I think anytime I want to know what, what people are wearing in New York, like what real people are. It's it's always to go to Mr. Moore. It's always to find out what's happening on. And because also now, and this is something I definitely want to pimp out of you, is like your Instagram stories. I don't know anyone else who uses social media like you do first, right? So you, you know, Snapchat, Instagram stories and all that. Now, 
I know a lot of people who now kind of copy off the whole like in your face sort of mentality that you have with it in which you'll go up to someone and you straight start filming immediately and you talk to them and you're like, yo man, what are you wearing? What do you got? Talk to me. And the cool thing is some people would see that and be like, who the hell are you? Get the F away from me. But because I don't know, I'm not there when you're doing it, but because the fact that like you're so interested in it and you're not like trying to make fun of a guy that's wearing some old rugged Carhartt shirt you like want to know about it you want to know how long he's had it that these people just open themselves up to you and that that's really so blessed because of that man i'm telling you i was on madison avenue one day park actually took a picture of like this like 75 year old guy um camel hair overcoat um uh like lemon yellow corduroys wide whale yeah um i'm trying to remember the shoe it doesn't matter and and he and he did the classic the classic, like people, you didn't ask, but like people, are like, oh, what's your approach? Like, what do you ask these people? And I'm like, what? Like, don't ask me that because you can't do what I do. We're all we're all different, you know. We're all yeah. snowflakes. So it doesn't matter what my opening line was to him, but I was like, yo, dude, or you know, excuse me, sir, I love the way you're wearing that tank, which is my approach normally. It's like people, hey, what 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 do you notice first? Whatever, you know. I'm like, I, you know, for example, Jeremy, I love how that's a crew neck, but it's not a mock neck, but it's slightly higher. Higher crew, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I wanted to get to this and ask you off air afterwards, but I'm like, I love what you're wearing, and he was like, he was like, oh, you know, this old thing, which is my favorite response <laughs> ever. This old thing, and my wife, I, I don't know, somebody, and my wife got it, or I picked it up at the charity shop. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite response. But he said, oh, look at this, and he shows me the inside. Mordecai is standing up right now. He shows me the inside of his overcoat pocket, and how worn the flap is. Yeah. And he says, you know what that's from? And I said, no. He says, making my bank deposit every day. <laughs> and I think, and when I went like this to look, he was like, I can't let you in there. And I think that was like one of these old man type of things. Like, doesn't it? Well, a lot of old men do the same thing. I shouldn't say old, older of a certain age. They say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm wanted by the FBI. Or like, oh, it's going to go on the post office wall. Yeah. And that's that old school bullshit. Like, you can't take my photo. And instead of me saying, no, it's like, oh, I'm wanted. They're obviously not wanted, you know, <laughs> but they give me that response and I just don't chuckle like you are. I get so tight. I'm what? like, oh, all right, fine. All right, fine. Mordecai Whatever, is still away. standing up. But this guy, <laughs> I much prefer to stand. But this guy was like, he was basically, I think there's a guy that thinks I'm making fun of them and plays along. Right. And I think there's a guy that's genuinely down with it that right. I shoot. And I love both of those guys. But the one that thinks I'm making fun, I think he's maybe the one. Like old school dudes, if you're making fun of them, they're not like a little kid. Like, hey, you're making fun of me. I'm running away. They're yeah. playing along with it. Yeah. So I think the guy in the camel overcoat with the lemon yellow corduroys, and I didn't think about this till now. I think he was actually playing me on some like, oh, you like this ratty old piece of shit? Cool. Thanks. <laughs> but his, his way of saying that was like, oh, you see how worn it out? It's from my bank deposits because I'm rich. But to me, if you're on Park Avenue, you're automatically rich, bub. Like, <laughs> oh, so, if you live on it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'll sit down because I was getting a little No, no, no. Away. This is fine. Uh, one thing I worked, I, when I actually didn't talk about, when I worked on Wall Street, one thing I learned was- Wait, hold on. What yep, were you doing working on Wall investment Street? Investment banking, man. S.D. Cohn, C-O-H-N and company. They brought GE Public, General Electric. It was Continental Telephone and Telegraph. Okay. I didn't work on that IPO, but I worked on some others. And I was cold calling, long story short. Boiler Room and a bunch of other movies were totally based on the company I worked at. No lie. And I was trading 
um, full on trading, opening up accounts. And God, I did, not, so have a series, I did not have a series seven. <laughs> I took my series seven. I failed it. I got a 68. So you're trading illegally, trading illegally under a different name, <laughs> opening up accounts. I won't say trading, but that's right. the same thing. Right, right, anyway, right. um, voice inflection. They taught me your voice carries. And I'm repeating what Anthony Recchia Jr. from Greenwich, Connecticut taught me. I wonder if he's still alive. These guys partied so hard. They were so rich. Um, Rob Shatless. Where are these dudes? Look them up, man. Um, so they um, – I don't use a computer really. So they um, – <laughs> I talk about like I should Google, but I don't. Anyway, they, they taught me voice inflection that you're – these words. I'm just repeating it. All voice right. inflection. Your voice carries better when you're standing. This is true. You know, and well, I was cold calling, so you better believe I was standing. Well, because first also, off, if you stand – Churn and burn. Your, all your voice comes from your diaphragm, right? It's, it's down here. It's like basically like a few inches above your, or around your navel. That's where your diaphragm comes from. And if you're sitting down, what are you doing? You're leaning forward. You're closing. It's hard. It's like when people sing and they're singing in a vocal booth. They're, they're, you know, Michael Jackson, you don't have tapes of him doing imagine? thriller sitting down. No, man. He was standing. That's yeah, true. <laughs> you think Quincy Jones is like, take a seat. And I'm sure it'll be a better so take. Important. No, so important. So it was interesting. So... I mean, I think we're we're starting to wrap up a little bit here, but like, Whew. I gotta thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on this lovely, lovely snow day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's not live. Maybe this might go up in April, May, June. Might tomorrow doesn't matter when. It'll go up next week. But it was sixty degrees yesterday. Maybe fifty nine. I don't know if it, it was. 60. It was. It was pleasant. Yeah. It was pleasant. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So tourists and idiots are like, oh, it's spring. They don't check the weather. Today, Jeremy's in a Shetland and an Oxford collar. I'm in a cotton turtleneck and a hoodie. And let me tell you, it's not pleasant. No, it's not. It's, I'm not complaining because I garbage. love weather. It's garbage. Yeah, people are like, oh, it's freezing. Oh, it's nasty out. It's not nasty. Yeah. If you got the right footwear and the right outerwear, right. you know, parka and a duffel, I always think, it's, I always think that you, it's a TV show. It's what? Like that this? When oh, this talk, is a, this When I do radio show. shows like this. No, no, no. I think they could see. Oh. Like what were, I have a big problem with that. Like I, I, when I stood up, I looked outside the window and there's a bike messenger that drove by, rode by and he had bags over his feet and I wanted like to wait. No, oh, bags to like cover. Yeah, deli yeah, yeah, bags. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about it right away, but I had to stop myself cause I'm like, they're not seeing what we're seeing. It's all right. But we're in a beautiful studio with a view and I love a view and, um, yeah, man, thank you so much. Yeah, this is good. There's a couple things I want to end on before mm-hmm. this. One of those is. I would say over the past few years, not only are you like the representation of New York and New York style, but you also are wearing it in, in the terms of like, so you're wearing, let's see, what is it? There you go. Okay. You, he just pointed to a New York, he, you're wearing an NYPD running club hoodie. And then the turtleneck you just showed me had New York and the New York Met font. Um, first off, Mets or Yankees? Neither. <laughs> I like the Mets over the Yankees because they were the underdog and and growing up all the undercover cops wore um, Mets stuff and Con Edison guys were wearing Mets stuff and like Yankees were like rich and then GZ and I wasn't into rap. They were all like Yankees and it's like the best logo. So I was like, I like the squiggly. Also, now that I'm a New Yorker, I'm not, I don't consider myself a New Yorker, but now that I've been here over 20 something years, I'm drawn more to the Mets because I love the blue and orange flag. I love the New York colors. Mr. Met. You know, yeah, Mr. Met, but my wife's childhood friend just became a backup catcher, bullpen catcher for the Yankees. Uh-oh. And I asked her, I was like, yo, could I become a Yankee fan now? And she said, no. <laughs> and I was like, why? I'm not a base. People that know me, I'm not a sports fan. Baseball but is. But Mets over the Yankees for the yeah. colors. 
So Even though chalk stripes. Where so did you good. get all of this like Ooh. uniform athletic apparel? You yeah. don't have to reveal to me, but what what happened? You you said athletic, so I'll, I'll just go there. I won't even talk about uniform. I love uniform. Right. I love uniform because you can't get it. You got to earn it. Yeah. Like today, people buy military jackets and they put on all the stripes and stars and pins, I, but they're not earned. I really dislike it's, that. It's fucked up, you know. Yeah. Here, I mean, I'm wearing a New York P- Police Department running club, and I've never ran in my life, so I'm just as guilty. Well, and you're but, not in the NYPD. And I'm not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, I just like, I don't know. It's cool. Like as a kid, you always want like the fitteds and the stuff, like because you look up to these players or like. But for me, it's just the fashion. Yeah, it's just because you have a. I've Crown seen quite Heights, often. I think, did it. New York Department of Sanitation hat. Dude, I love city uniforms. Yeah. Well, because you know, on your Instagram, you have the, the everyday uniform thing. Yeah, or the that has beauty the in the everyday uniform. Yeah. yeah. Working on a book now. A oh, uniform, are? yeah. Nice. Plug, plug. Yeah. Is it is it coming along? Is, are you... It is. It is. I feel really good. Um, haven't sh- you know shown it yet to right. a publisher or anything, but it's, I'm just working on the design now. There's a book called Disappearing New York. Which is one of my favorites. Uh, I'll I'll give it to you when when we're done. Um, or the Are you give me a book. About no, I don't have it. But um, it's it's all about like the signs and stuff oh. from like delis and all over New Bill York. Bill Spector and, puts up a lot of photos on Instagram of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I mean it's on one one hand it's like really depressing. Because that stuff's gone. Yeah, like that strip club used to be in the corner of Worth and Broadway. <laughs> and all the you know, Wall Street guys went there for lunch. On the other hand, now it's, I don't know, let's say a children's hospital or something good. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not always the case. I yeah, know we lose a lot. It's like a Starbucks now or whatever, yeah. right? So, Fuck this city. <laughs> but there's still hope. You yeah, know? there is. So, I mean, we got guys like you running around, calling people out, letting people know what's good, what's bad. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere to shop. I shouldn't say that. Um, uh, I think no. I think it's a struggle. I mean, that's that's almost you? a whole other pod of like where of like where to to shop because I on one hand I go to a lot of stores, but I don't know what I buy. Yeah. I buy a lot online. Yeah, it's funny. I don't buy anything online, but I love to go to stores to talk to people. You well, know? I mean, you got to know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, because that's the important thing. You know, like, people are like, "Oh, I'm coming here to shop. Where, where should I hit up? Shut up." <laughs> Just shut up. Take a walk. Yeah, take go a see walk. The about taking it in. Yeah, not. I'm not dissing stores. I'm just saying, like, take it in. You know. Yeah. I mean, look, Nepenthes genius. You get off the beaten path, go to Garment District. It's true. It hurts because you're far away, but it's great because you're. You know, it makes people go there. But it's like, you know, I mean, God bless Carson Street for trying in Soho. You know, but yeah, she going Soho's a mall. And it's like true. That other one I was going to ask you about, where they, you know, they're all like. You yeah, know, fucking like I don't get that at all. I mean, Jeremy knows what I'm talking about. If you, if you see my wink, hear my wink, you probably know too. But like, <laughs> it's like it, it, they're so stodgy without being whatever. They're stodgy without being nostalgic. Well, I mean, uh, again, you know, J Press is gone. I heard Paul yeah. Stewart's closing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It comes, it comes back again to authenticity. Yeah, and like you know, like with the first place that you were at, um, New, New Republic. Republic yeah. I mean. It was about authenticity. Yeah, and it really was. I think it's it's tough to have a store that although, is around there. Although, I got to be honest, like even at that store, you know, so Tom would be like, oh, I got this ashtray in, in Paris in the 60s at the flea market. Right. And a customer would buy it, you know, and that customer left. You know, Tom looked at me. He's like, yeah, it could have been the 80s. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like he wasn't lying, <laughs> you know, but the customer needs a story. Yes. And I guess what you were saying, and, and I'm not trying to 
say it's not is like it, as long as it's coming from an honest place, which none of these places are, you know. Yeah, and I mean the cool thing about Nepenthes to me is that they're upstairs working, you know, even though it's a couple doors down. It's like it feels more real than like opening up a box, not even steaming out a shirt and putting it on a hanger, being like that's for sale. Yeah, like I really, mean, dude, it's on your Instagram before it's even tried on. Yeah, by quality control. Nepenthes is probably my no favorite store. Ads. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I mean, you know, no it, free ads. You know, it's like I, I'm not really shopping these days, but yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. There's no nobody has what I really want. That's all right. So this was awesome. I wanted to ask the last thing I want to ask you is: Is there any sort of stuff you want to plug? You want to mention? I was trying to run out of time, so you wouldn't ask any more questions. I was like, "What can I do? I can keep talking." And no, talking no, no. And talking. I mean, if there's anything uh, free plug, I mean, any plugs? Nah, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what about if people want to? I mean, I'll definitely link you and and uh, oh, in the bio and stuff like that. Cool, and get you yeah. All set I take up, a but... lot of pictures. Um, if you're into the app Instagram, it's M I S T E R M O R T. But the real one is Mordechai underscore Rubenstein. Oh, you got two? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to trying to work on that. <laughs> okay, are you verified on both? No, 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 just Mister Mord. Well, we'll what I want to do is I want to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning one night and switch the accounts. I'm tempted to just dead Mr. Mort and call it Mordecai Rubenstein because I hate the name Mr. Mort. Nix it, but, dude. you know, we'll see. I mean, it, it did some good stuff for me, so I don't want to, like, take it apart. But I want to I make some clothes and stuff under a different label. You right. Know? I just made some stuff for Japan for a store there. It's under the label Mr. Mort. But I don't know. I'd rather do something new. If you're a clothing brand and you, and you need some energy, get at me. Yeah. I'm Shout looking out. for new work for the right, you know, not just anybody, but maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I want the Jewish holiday of Purim is coming up this weekend. It's costume played a big part of my life because uh, Mordechai is the star of that holiday. If it's the Book of Esther, not to get all religious, but that's Saturday night and Sunday. Hopefully, nice. if everything goes well, my photos will go up on Vogue.com. Big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, man. this is good. Yeah, nice. I want to thank the water company. I want to thank uh, I, my barber. <laughs> I need a haircut. <laughs> right. I want to. I want to I really thank Widewell Corduroy for carrying me this through this season without a frown. Shout out Widewell you know? Corduroy. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you were hanging up in way too many trade shows, way too many booths, way, way too many that. brands. Heard that. But I still love you. I'm still here for you, Widewell. All right, this thank was you. awesome. Thanks again, man. Good talking. You've been listening to Blamo. Thanks again to Mordecai for coming on. If you like what you heard, leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the word out. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast. Or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.